Of this episode of the Impop Downable Podcast, I'm joined by Mr. Andrew Thornton. He is a junior and senior national lawn tennis coach, and we'll be speaking about recreational sport as a fun way to promote movement. Good night, everyone. Good night, sir. How things going, man? Not too bad. Uh, as I tell you, this is my first IG live, so i pleasantly surprised how easy it was. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so happy that you were able to join, man, and thank you very much for accepting the invitation. Anytime, anytime. My pleasure. You know, I must say I've been absolutely blessed because, you know, generally persons have been have been very, very willing to come on and share their knowledge and share their information. And this is what we want. You know, we always want to be able to share information and share knowledge so it will be able to help anybody else out there, you know, so that we can expand and keep our knowledge base growing. Exactly. Yeah, man. So uh, before I ask Andrew to introduce himself a little bit, what we're going to be speaking about, as the title has suggested, is how we can push movement through sports. Because, you know, everybody is not going to be looking to go into a gym. Everybody's not going to be looking to push all the weights, do burpees, you know, all that kind of stuff. But movement is movement at the end of the day. And sports plays, you know, a massive role in getting us moving. It creates a different type of challenge, a different type of, of movement as well. We always are able to move in, you know, various forms, forward, back, side, side, diagonal, etc. And one of the sports that we can do that with very, very well is lawn tennis. So we're going to be talking about lawn tennis a bit because Andrew is a junior and national coach for Barbados in the area of lawn tennis. And we're also going to be talking about a bit about beach tennis. And this is something that I'm really excited to hear Andrew speak about as well. So, Andrew, the floor is yours. Tell, me, tell, tell the crew a little bit about yourself and um, your endeavors before in terms of sports. All right. Good night, everyone. Um, so as Kurt said, um, it's weird calling you Kurt. I only ever know you as Gomez, but I call <laughs> yeah, you Kurt. That's true. <laughs> call you Kurt. Um, you yeah, can use Gomez. Back. That's all good. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm a tennis coach. Um, so I am the co-owner of Smash Tennis, which is one of the tennis programs on the island um we have about 80 kids and we have quite a few adults as well but i would say our, our focus is primarily on the kids um yeah um as you mentioned i'm the one of the junior and senior national coaches i'm the fed cup captain for barbados which is the equivalent to the the davis cup for females then the davis cup is the one that gets all the attention down here because of our ranking um so so hopefully right. girls will get up there one day um, as you mentioned too, I, I co-run a, a, a company called Beijing Beach Tennis, which we're going to talk about at the end too, um, which is nice. something new and exciting and hopefully we get some, some more activity on the island. Yeah, man. And, and anything as it relates to promoting activity is always a good thing. So you mentioned there, Andrew, that most of the persons um, who are a part of Smash Tennis are, are children. So, right. so tell me a little bit about how you actually got involved in creating that. You say you co-own it. So how you got involved in that and, um, and, and why exactly the focus is on the kids? All right, well, I, I co-own it with, um, with Russell Mosley. You would know him. He's a, a former national, former current national player. Um, mm. I wouldn't say we, we only focus on the kids, you know, but that, that's where our passion is, you know. Like, I mean, we enjoy the whole process of, introducing somebody to the game and taking them through the various stages and, and helping them achieve success, you know, and other than the the very top, 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 you know, adults we have on the island, you know, there's there's obviously more adult more activity with the kids. So 
focus right. on that. You know, it's just just a matter of choice, really. And that's where the passion is. That's good. We, we start as young as, as three years old. I mean, we've had two-year-olds, and we go right up, right up to the end of school, university, and and then adults as well. That's pretty cool, though. Working with two-year-olds, how how is that? It's not easy, um, and, and obviously they're they're very limited in what they can do in terms of tennis, you know. But we focus on right. coordination and balance and teaching them how to catch and throw and and all that at a very young age, you know. So, so when when they really when they hit five and six years old, you know, that makes such a big difference. If you see a child who mm-hmm. started at three just rolling the ball on the ground and and learning how to catch at an early age, you know, they're three, four, five times as as good as the one that's now starting at five. Not to say that it's too late at five, you know, but it, it definitely mm. goes a long way. And I'm, I'm sure that's the same for all sports, but we try to introduce it early, at least a little bit, you know, keeping it fun, obviously. I mean, in, in my opinion, it only makes sense if it's fun. And that goes for most things, you know, most True. sports, most things in life, you know, so that's the aim. But, but that's that's really good. And you made a very important point there about you can see the major difference when they turn five or six. So you were able to to, to inculcate um, benefits for their motor skills from a very, very early age, which Absolutely. can only augur well for the future. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Nice man. But that's that I like that. I really enjoy I really like that. And as it relates to working with the two year olds and the three year olds, um, you said that you focus just obviously on the very basics, rolling the ball catching and that kind of thing and then you augment the skills from there and in terms of the activity levels as they get older then you become a little bit more sophisticated and more exactly. dynamic exactly okay. yeah so we obviously we obviously adjust the equipment to suit the child you know so for the younger kids we use we can use bean bags or, or even balloons and we have large tennis balls that are a lot softer and, and bouncier you know and they use mini rackets that are light and easy for them to handle you know, and as they progress and they get stronger and get better, then we, you know, they improve the equipment and, and go from there. You know, so we're lucky That's to have all these things like that. You know, 20 years ago, we didn't have that. So so when I learned, right. when I was young, you know, I had a big, heavy adult racket. And, you know, and it probably, I don't remember, but it probably wasn't much fun for me because it, it wasn't successful, <laughs> you know. Right. <laughs> A big heavy racket and the ball that bouncing over my head. But now we can, <laughs> can adjust everything to suit. But you talking about you know we're not successful, but my, if my memory serves me well, you were you were pretty successful in terms of your career. I mean, you're still a young man. I mean, you turned a little bit more to coaching, you know, but right. you you did have a, a bit of a career insofar as playing lawn tennis as well. You want to speak a little bit more about those particular sporting endeavors as well? I know they also played and still play, if I'm not mistaken, a little bit of cricket. So just 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 tell me about your you know, your particular experiences with sports and movement? Okay, well, yeah, as I, I, I would say I was born into a sporting family. I'm mostly cricket, you know, not many of my... Well, my family played a bit of tennis too, but it was mainly cricket. So mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of my uncles and grandfather are cricket fanatics. So, so for my seventh or eighth birthday present, you know, I came home. My grandfather had built a concrete wicket for me at his house, you know, okay. full, full stumps and, and set up and everything, you know, so got introduced very early. Um, so I, I played for Barbados uh, tennis on, on most of the junior teams, you know, and went to university um, on a tennis scholarship and played tennis there. You know, I didn't quite reach nice. the heights of my, my partner, Russell, obviously. But yeah, cricket, cricket really, I didn't get as far as tennis. You know, I played up to under 13, under 15 with you, of course, at, 
at Harrison College, you know, and I, I stopped then. And now I re- recently started back because I like it. You know, there's no, no, no other reason for it, you know. So I guess as attributed to whoever my coach was back then made me love it and I, I backed it uh, enough. And you yeah. stuck with it. So, exactly. uh, so, so you were saying that sports has been like a major part of your movement protocol, if you will? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Majority, majority of it, yeah. Okay. I, 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 and you mentioned, like, probably twice I heard you use the word love, love for the movement, which, which got you going and you still play it to this day. In this sand that seems a lot hotter than it was when we were playing um, on the 15 level. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's not easy at all. And my, my wife doesn't <laughs> like giving up on Saturdays for, for me to go and play cricket <laughs> in any minute hour, you know. But, you know, you, you love it, you know, and that's, that's, what I try to base my coaching on, you know, I, I really do think it's pointless to play a sport if you don't love it, you know, especially at a very young age, you know, so it's important. And that's the first thing we do. We try to get the kids to love it, you know, and that's mm-hmm. why they would stick to it, you know, because had I not loved cricket when I was young, there's no way I'd be playing it when I'm 34 and I'm fit in the hot sun all day on Saturday. You know, <laughs> so that's what we try to, that's what we try to instill in all the, um, the kids that come through us. My you said 34 outfit, and, and I still have a little bit of problems t- taking a US 34. Uh, because mm-hmm. when it when they see, I always remember the youngster back at school, but um, yeah, yeah. obviously, obviously, you're still playing, you said 34 and outfit. But tell me a little bit about um, as it relates to the traditional style of work, you know, is that something that that you have a passion for, like getting in the gym and and you know, getting to the right. normal. Well, my- my my story is a bit different. So I, I know there are a lot of people who enjoy that. You know, like my mom is a gym fanatic and she loves to just go in the gym and spend three hours on the treadmill and, and doing aerobics. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't think that this is the, the, the right thing. This is for, for everybody, you know, but my experience with that is that I, I don't like it, you know, and because I, mm-hmm. I was playing tennis at a high level for most of my life, you know, all through college and it, it felt, working out felt like a job. You know, so so the coaches that we had, and I don't blame them, you know, we were doing something for them. And I'm sure this is the same for, for most professional athletes. You know, we're doing something for them and it's their job to get us as fit as they can as quickly as possible. You know, so working right. out was like a chore. You know, you, you wake up at five o'clock and go in the gym and, and lift weights and, and you hate it. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so that's why I, I really try to push sports, you know, like, my basic definition of sports is fun exercise, you know, my very basic, basic thing, you know, so I don't see myself going in the gym. I would do it when when you, when unfitness, if that's a word, gets too bad, I would go and do a little little workout, you know, but I'd much rather go on the field somewhere and then go on the court and and work out that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you were to pick up a tennis racket today, you would still hold your own in a recreational activity if you were playing Russell or, you know, Ren or anybody else, right? So so what you're getting at here now is that even though you managed to to call yourself unfit, you would still be sport-specific fit. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of muscle memory and going through the motions, you know. Like if I was to do another sport for two hours, you know, it would be... Mm -hmm. Totally done, you know, but I could, I could play tennis <laughs> for two hours easily. So I mastered the art of playing tennis lazily then. Min- minimum effort. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. Yeah. And that's because it's a good at it. So, so, tell me, so tell me a little bit here now, because you, 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 we already put out there that you are someone who deals with children from the age of two. And I think that that's very, very important to have that sort of mindset in a person's mind as they continue 
to grow um, up into adults, right? Because they started yeah. activity and movement from very early and it very well could become uh, a very important part of their life. So what do you think insofar as getting movement into persons from that age as it relates to helping to solve problems with NCDs on the island? Well, I think it's necessary. You know, I don't think it is something that should be optional. You know, I mean, that should be the goal for, for all kids. You know, all kids should be involved in sports, you know, and, and sadly to say, I mean, the the PE and the, the games that school has been dwindling. You know, I, I can't speak for every school, but the what I've observed over the last few years is nothing like when we were at school, you know, like games was a, a structured activity, you know, we had a, a, a plan and we did this sport every day. And from what I understand now, it really, really is being cast aside, you know, a lot of schools don't even do it anymore, you know, uh -huh. which I think is a shame, you know, and, and you're really not going to get many kids interested in doing it for their lifetime. If they, you know, if they feel it's a chore and if they feel like they're being punished by doing it, you know, so it yeah. must be fun. I, I understand schools funding might be tight and so on, and you, and you may not be able to afford a, a proper games curriculum, you know, but that that would just turn people off it for life. You know, if you have, yeah, a, no, if you have a hardcore games teacher and every two seconds you make you do 100 push-ups and, mm -hmm. you know, like running at like military scale, you know. So, yeah, that would definitely scare yeah. somebody early o'clock. <laughs> but yeah. it's, it's telling it's telling what you said there that um that's been a chaos to say because we're hearing about, you know, the ministry embarking on all kind of plans to try to, you know, reduce the number in the future, obviously, for, for NCDs. So and we're right. also hearing about the no sugar uh movements and all that kind of stuff, trying to eliminate soft drinks and things. So to hear you saying no that that schools are actually you know pushing aside the structure form of, of PE is a little bit you know surprising and very unfortunate well I, I hope they're gonna turn it around you know that's that's over the past few years I mean I, I can't speak to the reasons why you know but I, I have seen a lot of talk about how they're gonna turn it around and they, they're going on all these campaigns to educate people and, and kids and so on so I mean and that that's where it starts you know it, mm. you know you need to educate the kids you know and yeah definitely and as especially, it down, to especially down here, we have one of the highest obesity rates in the world. You know, I, I, yeah. I remember I, the first time I found out about that, I was in university, I was doing a master's class, and um, just the professor just randomly was talking about, they, I think we were doing a business plan for a gym, right, for, for somebody starting a gym, just as an example, and they, they pull up a mm -hmm. chart randomly for the countries with the highest obesity rates, and at that time, Barbados is number one. That would have been in about 2006 I think we still need top 10 I don't know I can't tell you the number now but I know we are we're still there. yeah we're still there and we're, we're still known as the amputee the amputee yeah. um, capital which is unfortunate yeah. but um, yeah. we definitely need to be aggressive in, in changing that and you and you're doing that in, in your way so you have the you have the children you know you have them active and you spoke about education so so you know in what regard do you do you value education within your specific area of coaching uh, for smash tennis? I mean, we, we only have a few hours with them, you know, so we have to do what we can, you know, and yeah. and we don't we don't start too early with that, you know, but as soon as they're at the age where they start to become serious, you know, then we start implementing like little meal plans and nothing nothing super structured, you know, because you don't want to turn them mm. off and you know, as soon as it right, gets right. too tough they're gonna they're gonna push back, you know, but start you know, mentioning little things and, and trying to do 
I also work with the, um, the Barbados Tennis Association and I try to do little seminars and webinars with, with dietitians and, and so on, you know, just to try to nice. get a little education out there. Mm-hmm. And as I say, you try to bring it along um, in a late manner so that they will remain focused on the fun and I continue to focus on the game, but, you know, I keep dropping these nuggets piece by piece so that they will, you know, they will probably gravitate, gravitate to it on their own. Yeah, and they have to want to do it themselves, you know. Like, I mean, they're not going to have someone like me as a coach for, for two or three years out of the whole life. You know, not, I'm not going to be in the air forever whispering, don't eat that, you got to eat this. Or you might not have your parent your whole life saying, don't eat Shafat, eat, eat this bit chicken instead, you know. So you have to, to ingrain it from early. So they, they want to do it. You know, any, yeah, anytime man. somebody feels like they're being pushed to do something too hard, you know they're going to they're gonna back yeah, off and, and do the exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I have a comment coming in here from, from Thor. Sorry, Thor. From Mark Howell, who is saying more than ever, kids need to have sport as part of their development. It has benefits beyond the physical, and it can instill discipline. Yeah. So what, what would you... 100%. What would you with the, with, the, with the discipline aspect? Is that something that you see? Oh, yeah. 100% agree. You know, I mean, and I, I can't speak for everyone, you know, but that's something that is lacking these days, you know, I mean, I, they're not saying I'm an example, you know, but when I was 12, 13, you know, you set your alarm for 4.30 in the morning and go and go to practice, you know, make your own breakfast, go to practice, mm. go and shower and then go to school, you know, after school, you, you had to learn how to manage your time from early, you know, and can't speak for everyone, but I mean, I don't see that as much now. Right. You know, a lot of, a lot of, again, I'm not speaking for all, and, and there still are some that do this, but I mean, a lot of parents I see just doing everything for the kid right up to sixth form, you know, they don't, mm -hmm. don't do this and they don't do that, they don't set their own schedule and so on, and I think that's important, you know, they don't, yeah. they don't need to do everything on their own, you know, but you can't, you can't fully babysit them the whole lives, you know, you have to start opening them up and allowing them to, to do things on their own. Without, within, within reason. Within reason, of course. Of course. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a really, really valid point because, you know, the time management aspect, that's something that, that is crucial because as a, as a child grows, they will need to know um, how to transition that skill as they go from having everything given to them in terms of a primary school setting to having a little bit more at, at secondary school and then be continue to be prepared so they'll get a little bit more as they enter the university life if they choose to do that or for oh, the yeah. world of work, you know, oh, and, and to yeah. be able to sustain themselves. Um, Dr. Dritz is saying there has been this traditional thing with children being pulled out of extracurricular activities prior to exams, such as common entrance. We really need to move away from that. I agree. Okay. I agree. Yeah, I, I do agree. Um, like, I, I've seen it. I mean, even our top, top, top juniors, you know, juniors who are, are world-class or nil world-class, you know, when it's CXC time or, or thing, they, they don't practice for two two months, you know, you're studying. Mm -hmm. and, and while I do agree that the, obviously, the school side of it is very important, you know, you have to, you know, you have to find the balance. You know, mm -hmm. I remember, I mean, again, I'm, I might be different than everybody else, but I remember when I was in fifth form, I went to practice, six o'clock in the morning before a CXC exam, you know, showered and went to CXC exam. <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't any top student or anything, you know, but I mean, that was what I wanted to do, you know, and I had right, to figure right. out a way to make it work. And, and Again, more time management. When you're, when you're in university, you don't have the option, you know, whether True. whether you can't deal with your exams or not, you're still expected to go and play 
play a sport. You know, that's a really valid point there. If you are if you are on scholarship at a university, especially if you if you are overseas, you have to do what you are what you are supposed to do. Yeah, you, know, you can't they, you they, can't you can't tell your coach I'm not playing today because I go study. Too bad these 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 people are paying <laughs> tens of thousands of dollars for you to to come and win for them. You know, so mm -hmm. you have to figure out from early how to manage your time and how to do it. Yeah, very, very valid point, Andrew. And uh, speaking of valid points, I want to lead into uh, another valid aspect of this conversation. And I would like you to tell me a little bit about Beijing Beach Tennis. All right, so there's something I'm very excited about for sure. Um, you would have seen videos. Um, a lot of Beijings may not be familiar with it. So we have our, what we call beach tennis down here, which is really paddle tennis or or beach tennis what we call it you know but this this beach tennis is on a beach volleyball court using paddle rackets and, and a soft tennis ball so it's really like a mix between beach volleyball badminton tennis and it is a really exciting sport it's huge all over europe and, and getting there in the states you know i was exposed to it i was working at the um the miami open you might know the, the tennis tournament the miami open which is one of the biggest tournaments in the world and I was working in the sponsors department. So one of my jobs mm -hmm. was to go and set up this beach tennis tournament. And I thought it was the most ridiculous thing in the world, you know. So one, one day working, setting up things for Roger Federer and those kind of fellas. And then next day, they pushed me off in the back and, and making me go and set up this <laughs> tennis thing I never heard of, you know. But I was shocked to see. I mean, they had more people there watching that than, than the actual tennis, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah, so okay. really excited to bring that here, you know. Any, any kind of new sport and something exciting and dynamic like that and we'll let people hopefully come out and get a good workout on the beach you know mm -hmm. you can't really beat it you know you, you turn up in your swimsuit you could you could play in your swimsuit and go in the sea after you know you really can't beat it but that, that sounds perfect for us as, as caribbean people you know we, we yeah. like to be nice and there but we, know, we, we have our we have our beaches which i guess we take for granted to, to some degree but Correct. anything that we can do on the beaches is a massive plus. And plus, Definitely. I can see the sports tourism um, opportunities that will be involved if this sport, you know, were to become bigger within the world. So right. you spoke about a mix between tennis and volleyball. And most of us know beach tennis as, you know, we got each person has a racket. We have that, that rubber or, or whatever type of ball it is. Are you yeah. knocking, 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 knocking? So I understand it's a little bit different than that because you, you mentioned the volleyball aspect. So if we're going too deep, mm. maybe you could share a couple of the specifications involved. Right. Well, it's not it's not similar to volleyball in the sense that you can pass off the ball to your partner. You know, it's just we use the same mm -hmm. net and it's a little more specialized than, than what we call the paddle tennis. You know, you actually have a net that you have to hit over and there's an allocated space that you have to hit into. You know, but it really is very exciting. If you go and see the videos, you've got people diving all over the place and, and obviously moving around in the sand is a is a very good workout. Ah, you know, so, yeah. so it really it really is very exciting. Okay, okay. I would definitely be sharing those videos, um, in my stories from your from your page. Yeah, directly I'll see, after I'll see if I can put your page in the comments so people can all right, cool. Yeah, I think I yeah, think people, it, you know, just so you can have a look at it to see what it is yeah definitely definitely something to check out because it seems it seems to be very very exciting that is handle beijing beach tennis and you just dropped it there in the chat so insofar as um the the outlook for it, you said it's it's big in europe at the moment and, and it's getting big in the states what what do you foresee for its growth and its uptake 
Well, I mean, it's it's slowly. Well, not I wouldn't say slowly. I mean, it's it's fairly big in the Caribbean too. You know, they got um, Puerto Rico and all the French islands are, are pretty big into it. Um, Aruba actually is known as the home of it. You know, it was invented in Aruba, oh. which is not too far from us, and they have the biggest tournament in the world. So they have thousands and thousands of people there every year. You know, and they okay. have people. There's an actual tour. You know, the people making a living playing it and. You know, it, it, it really is shocking to see. You wouldn't believe it, you know, but it's slowly coming over here on this side of the world and, you know, and then hopefully we'll keep getting bigger. I, 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 can, I can definitely want to get involved in this thing uh, when it really picks up. So when, when, when you're projecting that this well, we will be... Hoping, um, you know. We were hoping to, to launch late last year, but obviously things were put on pause with the, with the pandemic and so on. So it's, mm. we're ready. So as soon as we're allowed to safely go out in groups and you know have big large activities and so on so I, i'm hoping within the next couple of months okay yeah. well i ain't a, I ain't a big um lawn tennis star i mean I, I play you know a little bit recreationally because I, I really love um watching lawn tennis although i haven't watched a lot recently but i right. like watching lawn tennis and i do like the sport um i partake in lawn tennis but for someone who doesn't have no huge skills in lawn tennis, you feel as though I could, I could um, make a name in this beach tennis thing? What do you think? Well, that, that's actually the biggest benefit of it. You know, it's very easy to learn. You know, it's not like lawn tennis. You don't need to have as much coordination and any side-to-side movement and so on. You know, it's, it's very easy to just pick up and learn. You know, we've had people with no tennis experience just come and they're looking good within five, ten minutes. So that is the mm-hmm. probably the biggest draw to it. Literally anybody could play. I know a lot okay, of people okay, turned okay. off the tennis and so on because you... To, to be, it's, it's true. I mean, to get very good at tennis, you need to put in years and years and years. But this is something mm-hmm. that you can, you know, play for a few months and and you're looking proper. Marjorie, so it's like I can be challenging you next year, man. See what's going on? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> looking forward to it. <laughs> I, I make sure we get that on live too, even if we get my tail cut. <laughs> we get that on live too. We can do a tennis one too. We do want to be. Yeah, um, I, I, I retire from lawn tennis a little bit now, so I, I'll, I'll go to beach tennis. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Sounds I don't think any match with me and you in lawn tennis will last past probably 10 minutes. <laughs> six love, six love. <laughs> yeah, man. So that's very good. I'm really looking forward to the, to the beach tennis, Belgian beach tennis. Um, really looking forward to the, the outlay of that. Looking forward to getting in. Um, VB Dog One says they're looking forward to be number one. And yeah, I, I sure a, they don't he's, a, he's a, um, I know him well. He's a tennis beginner, so he just started tennis about a week ago. You know, he we mm. have him in the kids. We have him in the group with the three and four year olds at the moment. But he, he's a he's he's very excited about the sport. So nice. <laughs> so we got future world number one coming through. Yeah. We encouraging him, yeah. Excellent, excellent, excellent. That's what we're talking about, man. And it's all about movement and encouragement, and that's super fantastic. So, Andrew, you touched on uh, your endeavors, your experience with coaching, your experience with playing. And it, <laughs> uh, he says, what, with book four exclamation marks? So, <laughs> I'm sure you got to talk to you. I'll keep his name to myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So, we touched on a lot of stuff there, and what we really want to circle back to and put a pin in is that um, the the importance of sports and movement insofar as dealing with the health of the nation. Um, I just want you to give your, your summary on that, um, the importance of, of recreational sport, and then we can go from there. And, if, and also, if anybody has any questions for Andrew, um, you can drop them in the chat. 
or you can message me in the message box, uh, which will keep things pretty um, anonymous. Yeah, so I mean, just, just to keep it brief, you know, I don't even think it's important, you know, I think it's, it's critical, you know, I think it's, it's necessary, like, obviously, I'm a bit biased, you know, but in my opinion, you know, if, if you have a child and they're not exposed to any kind of sports or physical activity throughout their lives, I think that should be considered a crime. And I, I say that with a smile on my face, you know, but I'm, I'm serious, you know, like that. Mm. I, I know everybody may not have access to it and may not have the finances and so on. I mean, that's why it's so important that we get it back into the schools at a proper level. But I mean, right. that's child abuse in my opinion, you know, and when I see all these um, like obese kids and, you know, and, and all the kids getting diabetes at an early age and getting all these sicknesses at an early age and, and, and those things can happen, you know, but these ones that are preventable, you know, I, I, I really do think that's a crime and it, and it really is a shame to see that, you know, so I would really like a, a whole revamp of the whole system and, and, and I know we're from the Caribbean, you know, so we were a little late to the party and, and sports is, are still not considered a, you know, like a occupation or a, you know a profession down here like it is in other countries and and while i'm not asking for that you know we need to make some kind of allowances for that you know i mean we have i've seen so many athletes pass through here and they're they're elite like world-class athletes still 13 14 15 and you know because they have to do the cxc and they have to do which is not a problem you know but they have to do six seven eight hours of school a day you know they obviously fall behind you know, and it's not mm. for everyone, you know, but I, I would love to see some kind of provision made for those outstanding athletes for sure. You know, I, I could think of a couple now that, you know, would be world famous, you know, if they were afforded the opportunity to ease off the school a little bit. But I mean, not, not totally. I mean, just be able to adjust the schedule, you know, like how kids in other countries are. Like I, I was lucky mm. enough to spend a few months in Spain two years ago you know, with some of their elite juniors and they play tennis seven, eight hours a day, you know, tennis and training and, and nutritional and, and mental training and all that. And then in the evening, they go to school, you know, and they, they, they still do the, the specialized school program and they still end up getting the degree and the, the diplomas or whatever you call it, you know, but there's some structure yeah. in place for these elite athletes, which we sadly don't have no here, you know, and, and the majority of our top athletes down here don't make it because of that not not to say we don't have the facilities it's just the system is, is set up against them for lack of a better word mm -hmm. so there's something that i that i believe heavily in too right um insofar as sports being taken seriously and you said that we are a little late to the party um even though the sport that i love most is cricket i will admit that cricket gets pretty much all the attention as it relates to sports you know right is there a way in which we can get other sports? Because, I mean, most of the sports, if not all, have some kind of sport and association that I assume has to report to higher, higher um, uh, yeah. powers. Yeah. But, but a lot seems to get lost in that, and we really don't know, it, you know in the public uh, what's happening to, to further the development of a lot of these sports. I can think of yeah. sports like hockey. Same tennis, lawn tennis. I could think of a number of sports that seem to be left uh, by the wayside while we hear everything about the development of cricket. Um, right. In your in your opinion, is there is there a solution to having this on our sporting system taken more seriously? 
I don't know. I mean, it's, it's slowly getting there for sure. You know, we're, we're a lot better off now than we were 20 years ago, but we're still not in a good position, you know. And, and it, like, like a lot of things, it comes down to funding. You know, I mean, while we have all these associations and so on, I mean, they're made up of volunteers who, doctors and lawyers and, and coaches and so on, who give in their free time to it, you know. And if you look at a country like, if we're looking at cricket, if you're looking at a country like Australia, better believe nobody on their board is a volunteer or nobody in their committees is a volunteer. You know, that's a full-time yeah. position, million-dollar budget, you know, and... <laughs> You know, and I know we can't compare ourselves to them, you know, but I mean, the mindset, yeah, so the mindset should be the same, though. You know, we should be yeah, trying to get agreed. to that point. Agreed. Know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, not, it's not taken seriously enough now here, and you, you can see, you can see the results, you know. So, even uh, before even I cricket, you know, cricket gets yeah. all the attention down here and all the, the funding and so on, and we're still not where we still need to Exactly. Yeah, they, I mean, that's the comment there from JG Fitness. He's saying he's still behind the cricket also, you know, and, and, and that's unfortunate. Um, so imagine, imagine the other sports. If we if we so far yeah. behind the ones that get the, the priority, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's know, true. The, the other one's not in a great shape. So before I answer my next question, uh, Mark is saying, I agree, children should be involved in some sport. If we are serious about curtailing childhood obesity and equally as important, be educated on nutrition. Very, very important. Um, I think I actually think that nutritional education should start very, very early before, before yeah. you know, persons get carried away with. And I, I'm not saying that you cannot eat uh, a treat insofar as eating a, a fast food or you know some sweets and thing, but you definitely need to be to to, to learn. And obviously, that information should be scaled so that people, could, children, can understand. And then as they become older, it may be better to make better nutritional choices. I think that's very important. Exactly. And, 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 and that's children and adults. Children and yeah. adults. I just wanted to ask you if it is a case where, for example, persons who are passionate like yourself in a particular sport and, and are persons who may be in, a, in an, an association but feel you know, a little frustrated at the lack of support and obviously lack of resources, because that plays a big role. There are only so many yeah. resources that we have. Um, do you think that there is scope to taking things into your own hands, so to speak? So, for example, you are pushing um, Beijing Beach Tennis. And, yeah. and the way I look at that is that you are taking that into your own hands. You're not waiting for the government to say, look, Beach Tennis becoming uh, popular, so we're going to push this thing. Um, do you think there's scope for that for, for like, more sports in Barbados? I, I think so, um, but I mean, how, how it's set up down here, and I don't want to talk badly about anyone, but how it's set up down here is when you take things into your own hands, you're, 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 seen, that, you're seen as a rebel, you know, and you're seen as you, you're going against the government and you're going against whatever association you're part of, you know, so, so you really have to find a balance, you know, and I don't know, it's, it's, it's not a good situation to be in, you know, and in all sports, from what I understand, are the same. You know, right. the, the associations do their own thing and they do what they can with the limited resources they have, you know, and as soon as someone takes anything into their own hands, you know, they're they seem to be fighting the association and fighting the government and, you know, so. Well, maybe that even. terminology was a little too strong. Um, so as an example, uh, perhaps you may need to make a sport more known or more in the public's right. eye. Right, in order to for persons to recognize, but well, okay, we have some fantastic athletes in these particular sports, 
and yeah. and at the end of the day I, I find that if we have persons who are you know definitely above the rest and maybe they have done well in a particular sport represented Barbados and whatnot then maybe if that information is known then maybe some more resources can be put into the sport so that you know the 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 powers that we can say, well, okay, we, we, you know, we were partially responsible for... Well, I, I agree. I, that, that, is, that is how it works. But, but sadly, by that stage, it's probably too late. You know, like, I mean, if, mm -hmm. if you wait until a, a child or an athlete is, is 15, 16, 17, and now starting to, to win things, you know, and then you, you would like to funnel some money into them, you know, I mean, by that time, <laughs> it's way too late. You know, they should be getting that money for any time they were 10, 11, 12, you know, and, they, and, and we wait until they, they do something and they're world famous and they started to make a name to, to get behind them, you know. So it, it really mm. should go the, the opposite way. You can't, be it too, should. you can't be too reactive there, you know. You have to, it should. You know, you have to take the initiative but, but there and, and support from early. But you may very well then help the person know who is 7, 8, 9 and who definitely needs that support then. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and, and better believe that that's how it works in a lot of countries, you know, they, they identify them from early and we don't need to be that extreme, you know, they identify them from early and they, they're placed into a specialized program. So, so how can we compete with that? Yeah, you know, definitely. in any sport, you know, definitely, definitely. All right. So before we, before we look to, to come to our conclusion, um, Flor is saying from his own experience, sports don't, does not get the support from neither corporate Barbados nor governments. Nice. I, I think most sports definitely don't. <laughs> definitely definitely don't. Definitely don't. Cricket does get. Um, it's no, they, it's not they, weird. They, they, get, but they get, but it's not even enough. You know, if we yeah. you hear, a lot, you hear a lot of people saying that uh, West Indies used to be number one in the 80s, so we're not number one. No, you know, but as, as much as people say that the cricketers make a lot of money, you know, we don't have nothing like what he... English and the Indians and, and all those countries have, you know. Correct. So <laughs> you, Correct. You, can't, you can't compete with it. You know, talent can only take you so far. <laughs> so you true. And, and, and we could go into a whole different discussion on that with the cricket. Quinn is saying, unfortunately, most times persons and governments see the dollar signs and look to reap the benefits after you've made it, as opposed yeah. to seeing the importance of sport itself. Very true. Yeah, that's exactly how it is. Yeah. Very, very true. Yep. Well, Andrew, I, I really want to thank you again for coming through, sharing your knowledge, of course. Um, when I asked the question again, Andrew was, yeah, I, I doing it. Just tell me when. And here we are. You know, so thank you very much, Andrew, for coming through, sharing your knowledge. Um, you know where to find Andrew. He also made a post earlier with the, the handle for Bajan Beach Tennis, and I will be posting something about that directly after this conversation is finished. I'll also be saving this so that anyone else can be able to watch it after. So again, Andrew, thank you. All the persons in chat, thank you as well for coming through. Uh, thank you for contributing and sharing your information as well, posing your questions and posting your comments. Uh, Andrew, any parting words from you, sir? No, I think we covered most of it, man. Um, thanks a lot for having me. Um, if you need me to come back again, I'm happy to do it. And Sweet. looking forward to that. Looking forward to that tennis match. I can start training, friend. <laughs> thanks for listening, and look out for more episodes of the Impact Normal Podcast coming soon.